We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Field of 68. Field of 68 till I die. You got somebody, hey, Jeff, shut up. Hell no. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out for a second. <laughs> this is Alabama coach Nate Oates. When we're not playing. I watch Field of 68's After Dark Show. This is coach Bruce Pearl. I love the Field of 68 After Dark Show. This is Duke head coach John Shire. Check out Field of 68 After Dark. This is Xavier head coach Sean Miller. I highly encourage you to take a look at After Dark. Now listen to you guys every morning when I'm getting ready. This is Field of 68 After Dark. That's right. Welcome, welcome, welcome in to the Field of 68 After Dark. Where can you find us? You know, like, subscribe on YouTube. We're on SiriusXM Channel 84. That's College Sports Radio. We got a packed show tonight as we are uh, just about to get into the nitty-gritty of the NCAA tournament. The Sweet 16 kicks off tomorrow. We will get into that a little bit later. We got a lot of coaching movement. We got a lot of transfers in the portal. We're going to hit all of it today. We got a packed show. I'm John Martin, joined tonight by Lavelle Jordan and Kevin Sweeney of Sports Illustrated. So, fellas, to kick things off, uh, been quite the controversial topic, I guess, in college basketball. I think uh, Jeff Goodman and, and, and Dave Portnoy just fired off a few other tweets uh, at each other. Ed Cooley was introduced at Georgetown today. And uh, Lavelle, I'll start with you. He said, if I'm the coach at Georgetown, which, you know, to, to Dave Portnoy's chagrin, he is, anything is possible. Do you agree that anything is possible with Ed Cooley as the coach at Georgetown? Totally, totally agree. It, it's uh, you, obviously, you, you know, they, the fans, uh, Providence fans and, and everything that they feel, um, you know, is, is probably legitimate. You don't want to lose your coach, especially when you're doing well. And you definitely don't want to lose them in, in their conference. But I know Ed personally uh, and the job he's done at Providence has been phenomenal. And, um, you know, for what Georgetown needs, one, just a good coach in terms of just X's and O's and development and all the things that come along with coaching, but also a person that like Big John was a personality uh, in terms in a brand and building the brand. And, and Ed's that's kind of what he is. Like He's a he's a great marketer. Uh, he's a really good recruiter. And, you know, some of the some of the, the guys that maybe you couldn't get at Providence you can get at Georgetown you know Jeff Greens and Greg Monroe's and you know those guys like they'll come to Georgetown and so um you know in terms of the job itself and the potential of the job for certain 
when Ed says, hey, anything's possible. Well, we know it's possible. You can win a national championship there. Uh, not that you couldn't do it anywhere else. You know, yeah, there's a lot of teams, Loyola Chicago's in the final four. Like, you got a shot, but you could have a consistent chance, you know, annually at Georgetown to be uh, in that conversation for sure. Kevin, how can Ed, and, and I guess how quickly can Ed make Georgetown matter again? I mean, I think he's done a really good job at Providence in the portal. I mean, you look at this year, they had to rebuild it a little bit and got Devin Carter and got Bryce Hopkins and were right back in the thick of things in the Big East. And obviously, I think I think culturally, there's a lot more to fix at Georgetown and there's a lot more stuff in terms of rebuilding the program outside of just rebuilding the roster that, that mm-hmm. he has to do um, to really yeah. get it to, 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 to true relevance. But I think without a doubt, like like they can compete right away like they they're not resigned to last place for the next two years like you would have been 10 years ago when you couldn't flip a roster as quickly um you know i thought that you know cooley's comments today and i know a lot of a lot was made of you know he he said the divine providence thing you know you know we can win championships whatever like right to me like the comment that i noticed the most was he said he wanted to get 80 percent of the students to a game at some point right like like and that that may not be realistic. And it's Georgetown, right? It's, it's in a city. There's lots to do. There's lots right. of you know, like high, it's a high academic place. People care about other stuff. Like I, I went. It's not Northwestern. Like I'm a, I'm a Northwestern guy, and like you, there was just fifty percent of the kids that were never going to care, right? Like Georgetown's yeah. not quite that, but it's hey, something. We would show up at Northwestern, Kevin. And I don't know if this was on purpose, like to just mess with our guys when I was at Iowa and I was at Michigan. They'd be in the student section, like we'd be warming up. They're reading books, yeah. And I'm like, is that just to throw everybody off, or are they really studying? It's not as a joke. Like I, I always thought it was, and like I met <laughs> the people who did it. And I was like, it's not a joke. This is just how they are. It's, it's crazy. Like, and Georgetown's not that, but Georgetown's also not like Georgetown is not Duke, right? George, like there's not there's there's certain percentage of student body that's just never going to care about basketball. But I think you saw how dry it got in that building in the last few years, right? It's an yeah. NBA gym. It's big. It's not on campus. And I think one of the biggest reasons why Ed Cooley is such an amazing hire for, for Georgetown is he will do everything he can to get students back in that building, to get Listen, people back in that building and go, here, go engage that community. Here Ed is as engaging, like he will be in the cafeteria he will be, I mean, he'll be all over campus. I mean, he was unbelievable at Providence. And when you look at what used to be the dunk, you know, and, and the, the what he built there in terms of just atmosphere alone, yeah. you know, they got a DJ in the building, the students who had to sing Taylor Swift in the second half. And like all of that is, Ed, so Ed and Lee Reed are going to get together. Lee's awesome. You know, I know Lee personally as well. And there's going to be a list of of here's what we need that, that like providence's practice facility and the whole deal there's a barber shop in the practice facility at providence now for guys to get there like that wasn't there and that's right. all ed cooley they got yep. seven different uniforms they got a pink they got a, all the stuff that the kids like so so they're just gonna sit down and just hash through the list and it's gonna be there <laughs> and it's gonna be there with all the support you you know the endowment and the, and the alumni and so it's coming <laughs> it's coming. Well, and, and, I, and I think to that point, because you, you've seen the back and forth, right? I think because of all the things that Ed did at Providence, add to it, yeah, he's he's a Providence guy. But I think that's why there are so, so many hurt feelings, you know, because of all the progress that was made there. And 
when I think about these type of moves, because you you see fewer and fewer of them, head coaches leaving for other head coaching jobs at similar levels, right? You see less and less of that these days. But my operating theory is a fan base copes with that by telling themselves, oh, he lied. Oh, he was calling recruits while he was, st- was still here. It's never, it's never that the coach left. It's how he left. And that's how they rationalize it, right? I was here in Memphis when John Calipari left for Kentucky. And I remember what everybody was saying. He was in the house. He was calling John Wall. He was calling Boogie Cousins. They, they never can, can rationalize it with, with the truth, which is he had topped out at Providence. He had done what you're going to do at Providence. He's leaving it in a better place, and he's taking a more prestigious job where he's going to have more opportunities. But fans have a hard time accepting that, and I think that's why you're seeing right the back and forth like we saw today between Jeff Goodman and, and, and some others. I mean, I, I just think at the end of the day, right, like it w- I'm sure it was hard for him to leave, and I think it's one of the reasons it's hard for him to leave is because of what they accomplished there. right? Like, yeah, you when, know- you, when you build it your way, yeah. Like when you get to do it your way, that makes it difficult. You're right. And Kyle. had a lot of success, right? Like like it when he got the job, the dream was to get Providence to the to place where they could win a Big East championship, go to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. They accomplished that. And mm-hmm. I think coach, you could probably speak to this better than either of us could. Like there's got to be a certain level mentally where like you've climbed what you thought was the realistic mountaintop and, and trying to go to work every day and do that again. Yeah, it's really hard. And and when you have the opportunity in front of you to go to Georgetown, I'm sure it was hard. And again, it's not to say he couldn't have stayed at Providence for the rest of his life and had the best career ever and enjoyed it and been the man. And and like, like we, we don't need to tell Ed Cooley whether he should have taken or shouldn't have taken a job. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just think at the end of the day, like there has to be something to be said of like, sometimes you just need to start, uh, start something new. And, and Georgetown yeah, and, is kind and- of a blank canvas. And people don't get, you know, sometimes being home might not be everything is cracked up to be either, um, you know, just from a personal standpoint. And so, you know, th- there's a lot of factors. It was a hard decision. I know, like I said, again, I know, Ed, it was not an easy decision uh, for him. And I know the fans and 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 how, you know, how it went down and, and, and that's what they go to. But it's like everybody's recruiting in the portal, whether you're still playing, whether you're not playing you're you have to be or you're behind Um, and kids commit to coaches more more, I would say more so than they commit to schools Um, so all of those things were happening um, but that's normal it's just the it's just the nature of the business Um, I think it's a great fit I think Ed's going to do a phenomenal job I think Providence will be fine Kim English is is a fantastic coach I know him he's a good young coach they gotta they just got to get behind Kim like they're gonna they'll be fine uh, because he does a heck of a job and it makes for great big East. <laughs> it makes for a great big East moving forward in terms of just Patino at St. John's and Ed now. And uh, it's, it's good when you have a little, but you look at, look up and down Yukon Marquette crate, crazy. And you're going to jump in like Georgetown to St. John's. It won't take too long. And, you know, it's like Villanova. I'm telling you, like, mm-hmm. that's not going anywhere. You know, Kyle will get it back where it needs to be. And man, you're gonna be seven, eight teams deep annually uh, in terms of tournament, <laughs> tournament teams. Yeah, well, I hope it works because college basketball is a better product when Georgetown is relevant. So 
I'm, I'm very hopeful that uh, that Ed can can make some noise there. Uh, maybe a bit of an easier decision today in the coaching world. Uh, Notre Dame gets uh, gets the bag from Micah Shrewsbury moving from Penn State to Notre Dame. Uh, Kevin, what do you, what do you make of this? Is was just was this just the obvious move for for Notre Dame given the year that he's coming off of? I mean, it's 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 a no brainer for them. I, I think it might have been a little bit challenging for for Shrewsbury to, to leave a place that gave me opportunity that was you know maybe not as invested as it needed to be in basketball in the past but I think in recent days has really tried to pony up and be competitive and keep a guy that they thought could be the long-term leader of their program um but I think at the end of the day right he's an Indiana guy he gets to come home he gets reportedly over four million dollars per year on a seven-year deal like that that'll go a long way in South Bend um and I just think incredibly highly of of Micah Shrewsbury and the job he did at, at Penn State because um, I think it takes an incredible nerve and an incredible confidence in yourself to zig when everyone else zags. And he like he bought into like a a style of offense that he believed in that was so so different than everyone else was doing in the Big Ten. Uh, and if if it failed, right, like like they didn't have a plan B size wise, right? Like if it failed and they just couldn't deal with anyone on the inside, they were going to go 12 and 20 this year. And he was like, I, I don't care. Like, I'm all in. I believe in this. I believe in what we have. I believe in the guys we're recruiting, the style of kid, uh, style of player we're, we're, we're involved with. And it got Penn State to the NCAA tournament. And that's no small feat at that place. And didn't just get him there. Got him to the Big Ten championship game. Got him right in the game at the very end against a really, yeah. really excellent Texas team. Right. Like just to have that confidence as a first time head coach to me just speaks volumes about the guy he will be for the next 15 years as, as a college coach. Because I I just think when you have that like level of belief and trust in yourself and what you're building, you're, you're going to be successful. And I, I think he'll do really, really good things at Notre Dame. LaBelle, real quickly, yes, got a couple a couple of minutes here in the ACC, which is maybe not the ACC that we've seen, you know, the last several years. I mean, can this be quick for Mike and his staff? It look with the portal now, anything can happen yep. quickly. Yep. And in terms of getting, and Micah did that, you know, fairly quickly at Penn State, getting getting guys to mesh, you know, coming up with a unique way that could, uh, you know, kind of shock the league in a lot of ways, you know, with the small ball and the, you know, what you guys call it, I love it, they call it booty ball with uh, <laughs> with ticket. Uh, you know, he was out there like Mark Jackson, old school. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Micah, obviously he was at IU South Bend. That was his first head coaching job. So he's yep. been there. So it's it's coming home. I know him really, really well. His, uh, he's got Butler ties with his family and all. So we, we talk, I actually talked to him right before they went to the Big Big Ten tournament, you know, and he was he was just trying to get a win. He wasn't worried about jobs or anything. He just wanted to get into the tournament because they weren't, they weren't completely in. Um, here at the ACC, when you look and you say, all right, Duke's Duke, Carolina's Carolina, but Coach K's gone and so is Roy Williams. Mm -hmm. uh Bayheim just retired and you know Tony Bennett's still at Virginia and uh Leonard Hamilton's still at Florida State Florida State was injury riddled this year and had some suspensions and things like that but there when you think about the top of uh, the ACC in recent history it's it's Florida Miami State, right Virginia, Duke Carolina Miami yep um after that it's open no doubt right and yep. so you're saying hey Pitt Jeff Capel made a run this year. Clemson was winning the ACC at one point this year. 
Uh, Kevin Keats has done a good job of, you know, you know, taking advantage of the portal and getting NC State back. Wake Forest, Steve Forbes comes into Wake Forest and got it right now. Like, they were in the tournament right away. So why can't Michael Shrewsbury do that at Notre Dame? Um, you know, Damon Stoudemire down to Georgia Tech. You know, these, these new mm-hmm. guys coming into the league. You know, yeah, Tony Bennett ain't going anywhere. Um, you know, Huber's got to figure it, he's got to figure it out, but they're going to get talent at Carolina and Duke and Shire. They did a, he did a heck of a job in year one, but you know, after you get past like four, it's open, man. And yep. so Mike is going to, you know, what he gets, he'll work with. He's proven that yeah, like he worked with what he had Penn state. You had to be unique. Um, you had to, right. You can't go in there and, and, and do what everybody else is doing in the league when you're at Penn state challenge at Notre Dame is, you know, you're in the Midwest. Uh, but you're playing in the ACC. And so you, you know, it's hard when kids grow up in Indiana, they want to go to Indiana or Purdue. It's hard to get Indiana kids. Mike Bray did a good job with the DMV kids, with the East Coast kids, recruiting them to come to Notre Dame because they were going to go back home and play near their families out that way. Um, and then the admission stuff like transfers getting in with the portal right. being what it is now. You got to be able to get transfers in in terms of the admissions piece. So, But I'm sure he talked about that before he took the job. Right. He exactly. wouldn't have taken it. He wouldn't have taken it. <laughs> so exactly. I'm I'm excited for him, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with it. Yeah. So speaking of transfers, lots of uh potentially, you know, big impact guys put their name in the portal. Uh maybe when we get back, we'll be able to pick some spots for Kirk Kreza, right? For Graham EK from Wyoming. Maybe we can uh, you know, find a find a landing spot for the those guys when we get back. You're listening to Field of 68 after dark right here on the Field of 68 YouTube channel, Sirius XM, channel 84, back after this. You're clear. And even though he's not with us, he's still with us in spirit. We've got a word from Rob Doster. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play college basketball pick'em, where you can get a little extra sweat during March Madness and win real cash prizes simply by picking player stats in this weekend's games and pick them. All you do is predict whether a player will go higher or lower on underdogs projected totals, whether that's points, rebounds, whatever. For example, if you're like me and you think Zach Eady is going to go nuts in this tournament, pick higher on his points projection, add up to four more picks. And if you hit them all, you can win 20 times your money on a single game. Underdog's slick mobile app is easy enough that dummies like Jeff Goodman have even figured it out. So go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the code FIELD, F-I-E-L-D, and Underdog will match your deposit up to 100 bucks. Now is the time to get in on the madness. So remember, underdogfantasy.com, promo code FIELD. Out there. Thank God for that. <laughs> Twenty seconds till you're live. Ten seconds. Here you go. Welcome back to the field of sixty-eight after dark. We're here on YouTube. We're on Sirius XM channel eighty-four, sweet sixteen. Kicks off tomorrow. Kevin's in Vegas. We're doing you a favor, man. We're keeping you out of the casinos. You know, I'm 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 trying to do 
the very best I can, you know, but, but I, I got an hour with you. So we're, we're doing you a solid by keeping you out, man. You a big gambler? Uh, I'm no Jeff Goodman. Um, I, I am a little, <laughs> I'm a little perturbed because I'm, I'm in, I'm staying at New York, New York. And like right outside my window is the uh, roller coaster. Yeah. Vegas. So yes. like, I keep hearing like random screams outside my window window and I can't tell if like my hotel is like haunted or if it's just people going down. The, yeah, down it's, the just, it's just, it's just people going down, man. That's all. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I got you for another 40 minutes after that you're on your own. Um, yeah, but, but we mentioned it, uh, Lots of impact guys have put their name into the transfer portal. And, you know, look, I think this is a great place to start with Kirk Creasy there from Arizona. And and maybe, you know, maybe it's Sean Miller bound. Maybe it's that simple. Um, but Lavelle, I want to I ask you a question about him more so the, where we think he's headed. How do you coach a guy like that? And, and, and is it a consideration when you're thinking, okay, can I coach him? Do, can, can I bring it? He, Cause he's, he's a wild man, right? Like there's, a, there's a flair to him, which I love, but you know, h- how do you coach a guy like Kerr? You know, you play, he's got a personality that you like. I think he's a competitive kid. Um, and he has a, he has a personality, which, which you're not a get. Like we had Nick Sauskas when we were at Michigan, Nick had some stuff. Um, and, and you kind of had to channel it into it in a good place. And he ended up being big 10 player of the year for us, but you know, there was times where you had to put him in check also, especially in practices and, you know, you get a little mouthy, but love him to death, you know, because he could play and and you wanted him on your side. So I think Kerr, the right coach uh, yeah. that has the right amount of, of discipline, but also allows the right amount of freedom, you know, that it'd be a good mesh, you know, for a guy like him to be productive and, and, and kind of reach his potential. What does a place like that look like for Kerr, Kevin? Honestly, like I, I don't really know. I, in my head, it looks like Arizona, right? I mean, this is not to, to trash the kid's decision. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what, what I don't know what he's like. What what like what he's looking for? Yeah. But I, I just think like to me, a place where you shoot a lot of threes, you have bigs who can really really play, so you're not relying on him to score a ton. Yeah. I who can run a place with a big fan base that he can play to, right? Like that 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 was Arizona. That checked all the boxes, mm-hmm. and again. He's been through a lot, you know. He, you know, committed to Sean Miller originally. They dealt with yeah. the COVID year. He also, like, well, you know, pick up and just say, "I'm going overseas and making money," right? Like, he, he has a passport. It's where he's from, right? Like, he because of NIL being limited with in the United States for um, overseas kids, you know, he might not be the the case of a kid who will make more money in college versus overseas. So, I, I don't know what he will do, but I, I think again, you're looking for a place that that uh, needs needs a point guard that's played in some big games needs a guy who has some some flair and has some stuff to him like, like well, Xavier maybe no those I mean, like boom I, no I Kobe Jones no Adam Kunkel coming back I mean yeah it just kind of feels like that's the spot right like <laughs> it, it, it would be something I mean I, I will say this any opportunity we get to watch Kirk Creesa play against Rick Pitino would be something I would pay like that should be on pay-per-view television it would be incredible uh, yeah I mean, they're like his. He he he's like the European uh, Marshall Henderson man, like that. Like those are the vibes I get from Kerr, which I you know he's a, he's a better passer. Like Marshall was never a passer, right? Like I'm not trying to compare their game, but just in terms of like the way they carry themselves, right? Like there's a certain there's a swag to that, which is not going to be for every coach either, though, you know. And I think that's the that's the no, key. You got to be able to channel. I, I do know Sean like Fremantle. Like he, what he did with Fremantle this year was like Fremantle has a little Kirk Creasa personality yeah. stuff, 
uh, coaching against him in him. And so does Kunkel. You know, those guys yep. that and and uh Sean did a good job with those guys. So I know one guy that could that could that could that could do it. Yeah, no doubt. That that would, would make sense to me. A couple Bruce other guys. Pearl. Bruce Pearl's a guy that could do it. When I, I would, I would like. absolutely love to see Kirk Kreese on an SEC campus. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that would like he and he look like I mean, I'm in the South. Like they would worship that dude, right? Like they he would be so welcome to the to those, you know, obviously <laughs> the, the right place, but I mean, if it, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't fit in terms of like defensively. But if he went to a place like Tennessee, you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's just fun to, to think about. But so I'll, I'll be super intrigued with, you know, ultimately where, you know, he, he winds up. Um, anyway, there's some other uh, there's some other transfers who entered their name. Graham E.K. from Wyoming, who was a stud, just one of the best bigs. And I assume everybody in the world is going to be trying to get in on him. Reese Sticks and Waters from USC, Jameson Battle. Most of these guys are going to come in in the top 10, top 20 of the transfer portal rankings. Laval, I want to ask you how, more so than in any individual player, how do you maintain a culture in this new age we're in? You know, because the way it used to be Good question. was you had upperclassmen, right? Like you just had the juniors and the seniors who maybe they redshirted and maybe they developed and they know exactly what you expect and they know, you know, what, what, what needs to be done in the summer. And now we live in, in, in the Wild West. I think it's good for the sport, but inevitably it does change the way rosters are built and chemistry is built. So how do you yeah. how do you maintain a culture when there's such turnover year in and year out? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think every coach coaches are trying to figure that out, how much portaling, you know, they actually want to, to do. Uh, and, and some are more into it than others. You know, Eric Musselman, like that's what he did in Nevada. So he's used to it. He's doing it at Arkansas. Um, you know, so that's a, that's kind of his norm. I, I think the guys like Steve Forbes at Wake Forest, for instance, he comes from a Juco background, Chris Beard. So they've done this. They've done that before. Uh, I think the program guys are going to continue to do what they do. The Tony Bennett's of the world, the Greg guards of the world, uh, you know, Kyle Neptune at, at Villanova, you know, they'll continue to do that and then splash in, you know, mm-hmm. a transfer here and there, but it won't be built with a roster full of them. Um, I do think you need that core group that does know what you want and uh, know how things are done. You know, they know where the gym is, like, as coaches say. And so you're not teaching everybody everything every year yep. uh, because that can get exhausting. Um, and then I think the summer is important. You know, they've added now these two new positions that can get on the court so you can have two more guys because I think those summer – um, you know, that experience in the summer when you're when you're just getting to know each other. You might yep. have four or five new guys. I think the mid-major guys is 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 that's where yeah, probably more than you know, the power six, because that's where you could develop redshirt, get old, and then go in a tournament and win and shock somebody. Um yep. and now your best players are port- going in the portal to level up. Yeah, at most places. And and so those are the programs that I, I don't like it for because, you know, you want to see that. But it also allows, you know, for, uh, you know, if they can get some guys to come down and have an impact. Uh, so you just kind of got to figure out what's best for you, what suits you as a coach, how much you can, how much you can stand, you know, so many new guys every single year. And, and some can, you know, some can stomach that more than others. 
you know, one stud that's not entering his name into the transfer portal is Armando Baycott for North Carolina. Kevin, what is this? What does this mean? He was tweeting, if you want to play with me, DM me. I don't know what that says about, you know, his guards there. I don't know what the, you know, the indictment might be there. But how how important is that for the Tar Heels and, and what they're trying to honestly get back to? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, I don't think Armando was the problem this year. I, I don't even think that, <laughs> I don't think any one player was the problem, right? I think it was, it was, you know, the entirety of the group. And I think, um, I think if you're you're North Carolina, you happily take him back and you try to figure out how to best surround him with the guys that will will help him win because he is an all time great Tar Heel. He took you to a national championship game. He's going to be potentially the all time leading rebounder in college basketball history after this this COVID year, beating Kenneth Fareed. Like like he, he he's a tremendous player and just was not necessarily healthy today or yep. this season, excuse me, was dealing with that, was dealing with all the expectations and the pressure. Uh, and I, I honestly think that going into next year where everybody else, you know, is, is saying how bad they suck and how much of a disappointment and how much bust they are will be the best thing for him and will be the best thing for Carolina. And look, they've got a lot of work to do this spring. There's going to be turnover potentially in the backcourt. There's going to be turnover. Um, you know, overall, they've already seen it with, you know, some guys like Puff Johnson going in the portal, Styles, like guys like that. So, you know, Hubert's got to find the right the right guys, and I, I do think if you're if you're him, you want to be careful of like handing the reins too much to Armando, right? Because this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't a podcast. This is a basketball team, right? Like the like we can't it can't be all about personalities and fun and, and Twitter and like and posting posting on Instagram. Right? It has to be about basketball. But I think I, I think obviously Caroline is a better team when they have him, and, and so it, it's huge for them. And, and I think a big momentum thing for for this offseason after everything they've gone through the last few months. Uh, just have a couple minutes here, Lavelle. How attractive is that situation if you're, you know, a guard, a, a, a big time guard out there? Like, is it is it still something that you're, you know, chomping to be a part of, or are you a little bit skittish based on what happened last season? I mean, Carolina's Carolina, yeah. You know, in, in terms of just the attraction, uh, so I think that's more the attraction maybe than playing playing with Armand. But everybody knows what he's capable of if you if you were playing college basketball. It just it's the power, you know, it's NIL now. Like, yep. You know, four years ago, Armand Baycott is not coming back. No, <laughs> you we know, no all doubt. know that. Yep. Uh, I think Zach Eady's sitting over there contemplating. He's got a decision to make because, you know, in the NBA style big, they don't necessarily fit. So you come back and, you know, be what Oscar Sheboy was at Kentucky and and make who knows how much money through NIL. Uh, but I think it's Carolina. Carolina's Carolina. They'll get. They're going to have good guards. Um, I think the, the pieces have to fit. You know, is what they learned this year and mm-hmm. uh, around Armand. If he is coming back, like there's a there's a way to play with a guy like Armand Baycott that has to make sense, and everybody has to be on board with playing that way uh, from coach's vision. Yeah. Uh, well, look, we have uh, a lot to get to here uh, on the show. The Sweet Sixteen, of course, kicks off. Tomorrow, we're going to go through the games, maybe figure out, pick some winners here as we get ready for uh, the meet here, the the big-time parts of the NCAA tournament. Get into that when we come back. You're listening to Field of 68 After Dark. We're here on YouTube and on SiriusXM Channel 84. Back after this. You're clear.
Yeah, my uh, my bracket's messed up, right? I think yours is messed up. Everybody's is messed up. I don't think there's a bracket out there that anybody's proud of. But there's good news because Run Your Pool is hosting a Sweet 16 pool for us. Right now, there's a $500 prize pool for the Sweet 16 Challenge. So you get to compete against us again. And make sure that you check out the Run Your Pool site if you need to host any bracket challenge or pool. They have more than 50 game types for every sport you can think of from a traditional bracket pool to survivor games, head-to-head games, pick X games, and my favorite, squares. Scoring is customizable. You can tailor your rules to your liking. All you got to do is go to play.runyourpool.com slash field 68. Get your picks in before the Sweet 16 tips off tomorrow. You got 30 seconds, sir. Cool. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's a lot of time there. Down to town. Here you go. Welcome back to the field of 68 After Dark. We are on YouTube. Like, subscribe. We'll get to the questions and the afters. You guys know the drill. We're on SiriusXM channel 84. And we've talked transfers, we've talked coaches, but there are games, ladies and gentlemen. There are big-time games. The Sweet 16 kicks off tomorrow with, I believe, Mr. New York City, Marquise Noel in Madison Square Garden, Michigan State versus Kansas State. Um, In terms of what's going to decide this game, Laval, what is it going to come down to between Michigan State and Kansas State in terms of who's moving on to the Elite Eight? Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of simple. Can Michigan State defensively contain Marquise Noel? <laughs> because Kentucky couldn't. I mean, he was obviously he was by far and away the best player on the floor. I think that, and um, yeah, I think Michigan State showed they only made two threes and beat Marquette. They had more turnovers than assists, which isn't their norm. Uh, but I thought defensively, you know, how they contained Tyler Kolick, who's a wizard. I watched him all year, covered their games, and. Uh, you know, a biggie's played in the way he creates for his teammates. And so, you know, Coach Izzo you know, has had a couple days to prepare. He only had one day to prepare for Tyler Kolick. 
Um, he's had a few days here to get a game plan together for Marquise Noel, and I think that's a big deal. Uh, I think the other big factor is Joey Hauser. Right? When he shoots the ball well, Michigan State is just that much harder to beat. And so, um, you know, I think those two things are, are a factor, you know, for uh, in my in my opinion. Hey, Kevin, is is there any part of this, you know, that that surprises you about Michigan State, the fact that they're here? Not really. I mean, it's Izzo, right? Like, I mean, I, I I have been the biggest defender of this Marquette team all year. I thought Marquette had a chance to go to the Final Four. I thought, you know, Kolick was great. And just the way that they were prepared, it was vintage. It was vintage Izzo. Um, and, you know, it'll be a, another great test for, for Jerome Tang because I thought he did an unbelievable job in that matchup with Kentucky of, you know, Cal was blitzing those ball screens early in the game and it was like, how are they going to generate offense if Noel can't do it? Mm. And they, they made some smart adjustments, you know, in the first half, just getting away from some of their ball screen stuff. And then second half, getting it on the side and, and, and have an opportunity to make plays like I, I, and, and Noel explodes. And obviously the game gets decided because K-State got hot at the end from three and, and Kentucky yeah. didn't. And, and yeah. that, that may just be the deal, right? That might, yeah. that might be who wins this game is, is does, you know, Keontae Johnson and, Marquise Noel outshoot Tyson Walker and Jaden Akins and Joey Hauser, right? That might be the deal. But I, 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 I'm just really excited to watch the the coaching chess match because I think, you know, obviously Jerome Tang gets a lot of love for, oh my gosh, look at, you know, he's dancing in the locker room. He's, you know, he's rapping little baby. He's hanging around, right? Like, like I he, love he's it. recruiting. It's he's great. It's fun. I mean, into it's it, awesome. man. It's awesome. But that dude can also really coach basketball. Agreed. And was, you know, a huge part of Baylor's defense and now has done just an amazing job with, with K-State and putting them in positions to win. Like I like I think in, in March, people tend to pick Michigan State because they think it's a coaching mismatch with Izzo every time. And I, I mean, th- this is probably thinking a little too high of Jerome Tang because it's year one, but like he's proven already he can go up against Bill Self and John Calipari and big, big, big name coaches and and hold his weight and i think that's huge in a game like this at msg i don't think it's too high because i think because it's year one and and they're here um real quickly like for me keontae johnson's got to play better if they're going to move on like if they're going to win tomorrow i I thought he struggled with the physicality uh and everybody's going to honestly fucking struggle with the physicality of shibway right but i thought especially in that game and and Michigan State's going to bring the same toughness, so I feel like you have to you have to get a better game from him. It's and I, and I know Noel is the story because he went berserk, but in terms of what's going to win the game tomorrow, I think you need you know your best player to to show up. And and if he does, I think they're moving on. Um, but but if it just comes down to you know Marquise Noel making crazy circus shots, I'm not sure that they will be playing in the Elite Eight. We yeah, shall it'll see. Be he fun is to Mr. Watch, New York uh... City. Malik Hall, which I'm sure will draw, you know, him and I mean, that'd be a fun matchup to watch because, you know, similar build and, and similar size and, and Malik will have to do the job. The, the other part is they're going to have to keep Michigan State off the glass. Yep. Uh, you know, they couldn't do that, that against is, Kentucky. Yeah. And I think that was a, you know, Oscar's of different, he's a different he animal. Is. He is. Uh, but it is something that's emphasized. You go to any Michigan State practice. It is something that is heavily emphasized. And they're not, it's not one of Izzo's best rebounding teams, but, you know, Sissoko had three offensive rebounds in the first game. Malik had two. Joey Hauser would get in there. And Kansas State isn't great on the glass. Yeah, so it, it's one of the more intriguing games, I think, tomorrow. Florida Atlantic, Tennessee, this is fun because 
you know, I remember in January and February, I know you guys have heard the line about Rick Barnes is the college basketball flu, right? You guys have heard that that line? I have not. Okay, I don't know so, if I've heard that one. Okay, so they say about Rick Barnes, right? They say he 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 starts to really pick up steam as the college basketball flu in November, peaks in January, gone by March. Right? Like that's what they say about Rick Barnes. He's a college basketball flu. But I feel like, I mean, look, college basketball and the NCAA tournament is so much about breaks. And is this is this FAU team, as good as they are, can they be considered a break for the Vols? Uh, Kevin? I mean, I think if you're looking at the bracket on Selection Sunday night and you're seeing, oh, we might have to beat Duke and then either Memphis or Purdue and then potentially Kentucky or Marquette, or, you know, something like that. And now it's like, all right, our path to the final four might be FAU and K-State. You probably live with that, right? Just talent-wise, right? Tennessee is is just a little bit more advanced physically uh, than either of those teams. But, like, I, I think discounting FAU here would be foolish. Because, look, like, obviously Tennessee has proven they can beat anyone in the country when shots fall. And at the end of the day against Duke, yes, they were great on the glass. Yes, they were tough. Yes, they were the you know more physical team. But... Olivia Kamala also made three threes and they're not going to lose many games when Olivia Kamala makes three threes, but when they shoot three for 23 from three, which they are apt to do, they've done it before. They did it last year in the NCAA tournament against Michigan. They are very vulnerable and, and FAU is going to have some matchups to potentially create with their guards because they're going to go small uh, and pull guys like Kamala, whoever's going to play the four, whether that's Adu, whether that's Kamala, one of these guys for Tennessee, they can pull them away from the basket and drive those dudes and try to take advantage of mismatches. And, like, there's a DNA that comes with winning 33 games in a season. That's what FAU's got. Uh, and so I will not be surprised at all if they're right in this game. But, look, it, it's an opportunity for Tennessee because you, you look at this bracket and you say there's a real chance we can get to the Final Four. Uh, and, and, and like you said, John, like, they like silence some questions about and whether those questions are fair or not. Right. Like yep. that is the narrative with him, just like it's going to be the narrative with Matt Painter. It was the narrative with Tony Bennett until he broke through. Like when, when you are not the guy, when you are not really making noise in March consistently, people are going to question who you are in this business. And Rick, Rick Barnes has proven he's outstanding at, at this and building great teams. And they're really good every year, but a final four this season, particularly after losing Ziegler would be a, you know, huge mark on his resume. And I think a, a big silencer to a lot of the people who've been uh, maybe unfairly critical of him over the last several years. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I can't stand all those narratives yeah, as a coach. It's like, hey, Rick Barnes yeah. is a really good coach. I don't care what he does moving forward. Like he's done it at Providence. He's done it at George Mason. He's done it at Texas. He's doing it at Tennessee. Like, come on, let's stop with the, <laughs> with this stuff. But it is a it's a fun matchup because you know John, like John L. Davis is a he's a really good basketball player and that kid dog, is man. good he is fun <laughs> to watch he's not afraid so he's gonna he's gonna just relish every like he's here for everything that Tennessee is gonna bring to the table yep um he and he's and, and I like I just like watching him play like he does not back down um what what coach has done to get Coach Barnes I'm speaking of to get them to this point without Zakai Ziegler, like tremendous job, tremendous job. You know, went away from the ball screens and the pick and roll as much, playing more off the ball. Uh, you know, how the game's called is going to be important because mm -hmm. <laughs> Tennessee is extremely physical in terms yeah. of how they play. 
And again, the game will be on the glass, right? They know their limitations offensively, uh, but they are going to pound. They pounded on the glass. Can Florida Atlantic, you know, keep them off the glass? I think that's where the physicality will come into effect more than anything. Laval, I'm curious, quick, just from your perspective as a coach, because I was thinking about this earlier today. A team like Tennessee that loses a guy as important as Ziggler, do you think it can be? Obviously, it's you don't want to lose your point guard, but do you think? it can be kind of a blessing in disguise and it, it forced them to redefine who they were a little bit and get back to we're tougher than you. We're more physical than you. We're going to hammer you on the glass uh, and, and some of the other stuff, shooting the three they've, they've gotten away from a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think that's who they were in, in general. Anyway, I do think this, they're, they get bigger in terms of matchups across the board. Right. So now you're more switchable. You're not, you know, maybe as worried about Zakai having the, you know, keeping him off a matchup in the post and so you get to take away maybe a few more things defensively, and they've done that. And um, and and then, you know, obviously, again, play, playing off the ball is a different deal. You know, your post guys come into play. Uh, so when you see what Kumwa did, you know, they come into more of a, a role without Zakai creating. You know, not not everything. They still play that way, but he had the ball in his hands quite a bit uh, just to create for others. And so it does change. And you know, sometimes it can make you. Yeah, I don't want to say better, but it makes you different defensively for certain. Uh, a few minutes here before we uh, before we head to break. I do want to ask you guys, we have uh, a, an elite guard matchup between Miami and Houston. You talk about Shed and Sasser and Wong. Get your popcorn and ready. Nigel Pack. <laughs> but I'm going I'm to I'm pose it to you like this. I'm going to pose it to you like this. If Houston plays the way they played in the second half of that Auburn game, who is beating them? Who is beating them? Good luck. You're not. Yeah, good luck. And, and I think this, it that'll be the telltale. The first half will go how Kelvin Sampson is going to go in the locker room. Like, this is what happens. <laughs> so, however the first half goes, like, Kelvin goes in the locker room, and then things change. And can Miami handle that? Yep. <laughs> because they're, they're dynamic. I mean, as dynamic as anybody in the country with the guards, man. Isaiah Wong was tremendous. You know, Nigel Pack was big time. Like they and they're gonna spread you out and play small. It may take Houston a second to adjust, but then halftime comes, <laughs> and yep. so the second half of that game will be fun yep. to watch. I, I will say, I mean, the job Miami did on the glass against Indiana, right? All the talk, oh, they're undersized, whatever. Like they took yeah. it to Indiana, and so if they can just hang around on the inside with Houston. And make it a guards game and say, all right, we've got Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack. You've got Marcus Shed or Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shed. Let's see who wins. If you're Larinaga, you take that every day of the week. Yeah. yeah. You, when you threw out the glass, Kevin, like Houston's got grown men now. Like, oh. oh. Like, Jawan White, we played against him. The dude came into the game. I never seen it on paper before. Somebody averaging four offensive rebounds. Two's good. Two's really good. <laughs> like if you're getting two offensive rebounds a game, that's really good. Like we would you know, tell our guys in the scouting report, hey, this is real. My man was getting four a game, and that was a that was a year ago. Different. And I'm like, he's a monster. And, you know, guys like him and Shibway, like, I, there's no scout. You can't scout that. Yep. I mean, you can talk about it. It's not like double team in the post. It's not like trapping a guy in a pick and rolls. Like, the shot goes up. Somebody has to go hit. I remember when I played – and you guys may not remember this. Arizona back in the day when they had Jason Gardner and Gilbert Arenas and Richard Jefferson, uh, they had a dude named Eugene Edgerson, big old afro. He had high socks. And all he did was go get offensive rebounds. And I, like, had to go try to box him out one time. 
And I hit him as hard as I could, and he did not move one inch, like yep. at all. You know, we had Mitch McGarry at Michigan. He was like, you could go smacking with everything you got, like, and he just looks at you. Like, Jerron Roberts is one of those dudes. Yeah, yeah. No, they're built different, for sure. We're going to get into the rest of the Sweet 16, and then, of course, we'll answer any questions you have in the afters. we got to get to a break. You're listening to The Field of 68 After Dark here on SiriusXM Channel 84 and YouTube back after this. You're clear. So one of the things that I always find myself wishing that I had was just like this, this time capsule because my friends and I will just text each other all these different takes and all these different arguments. And then, of course, we'll forget about him. We won't remember him. And we have no way of remembering who was right. Well, that's where Vaulted comes in. That is the solution. Vaulted is a new sports prediction app that turns your opinions into facts. You can store all your predictions and hot takes in your own vault right now and forever. Challenge your friends, keep track of the results, and prove that you are, in fact, the smartest. This is something that Jeff Goodman will never have to worry about a day in his life. Vaulted will also be releasing more than 50 pools in the next three months. So download the app at the link below. Sign up for your three-month trial and store your predictions now and forever. There you go, Goodman. There you go, buddy. <laughs> 30 seconds. In this 30 seconds, uh, Coach, so I was I was at your game in Vegas when you played Houston. Oh, geez. I was right behind Kelvin's bench. You guys were down like 31-13, and I think you guys got like an offensive rebound or, or, or they missed – or Houston missed a free throw. And Kelvin turns to his bench and literally screams – we can't do anything right. And like from now on, I'll never like it completely changed my view of Calvin. I was like, this guy's a maniac. Grown man. Here you go. Welcome back to the field of 68 after dark. We're on YouTube. Like subscribe. If you got questions, let us know in the chat. We'll get to those in the afters. Um, And of course we're on Sirius XM channel 84. A few more matchups that uh, we need to touch on. Fellas, Xavier, Texas, um, I, I mean, I feel like in terms of just style, styles here, um, really intrigued by this game. Um, what's it look like if, let's just say, Xavier pulls it off. If Xavier wins this game, about how does it, how does it look? What has to happen? The, the game's in the high 80s because <laughs> that's what they do. You know, they, they still struggle defensively. They're a little bit better with, without Fremantle uh, just because they're smaller, quicker, you know, more switchable. Uh, um, but they score. I mean, you got to keep up with them offensively. And I thought Kennesaw State did as good a job as anybody I've seen all year in, in the first round game. And they kind of took their foot off the pedal, right? They mm-hmm. just, you got to keep really scoring. Did. You have to keep scoring against Xavier. You have to keep scoring against Miami. Like these teams offensively are up there, you know. And so um, it, it's got to be in the 80s for them to get it done. Nunji, I think, has to have a big role in it, um, you know, because he's an inside outside big and he's a, he's a matchup problem. Yeah, obviously you got the guards, but if they're if they're winning it, you know, if it's in the you know 50s, 60s, like that's just not been their game this year. And so and I think Texas can win that type of game. They can do that to you, but they can also play it with they pace. Can. Like they're yeah. not afraid. They got good guards, like they'll they'll run with you. I just don't know if I would want to run with Xavier and and play at that pace. Yeah. Um any any additional thoughts there, Kevin? Yeah, I, I just think Sule Boom has to be the best guard on the floor, right? And this is kind of a 
a unique game for him. He's playing against Rodney Terry. Rodney Terry coached him at UTEP, right? Like, I, I don't know how the emotions will be there, but obviously that's just like an added bonus to an NCAA tournament game. He's been just okay so far in the tournament. They need elite Sule Boom if they're going to go. Don't yeah, I'll really say good. this to you. It's weird, Kevin. Like, I coached against Chris Holtman, Butler, Ohio State in year one, and, like, some of the guys, the guys that they were just playing for Holtman last year, and it took them like a half to get out of the fact that their old coach was standing up there on the other side. We came back and won in overtime, but so for Sule, like it's it's an it's an odd deal. And I was sitting there, you know, trying to get them to snap out of it. <laughs> but it so I don't know how long, and it's later on in the season. You know, that was a November game. This is March, uh, but it is an interesting deal when you have that, you know, with your players. Like I was trying to figure out what was going on with our guys, and our assistants were like, "We coach there." You know, the old coach is standing right down there. Like, they got to look at him every time they run down the court. <laughs> now, uh, if, if Eric Musselman wants to take his shirt off again, which, I mean, it's got to be a win. You can't take your shirt off after an L. Like, how, how, Kevin, how different will the game plan need to be against UConn versus what Arkansas did against Kansas? How much different does it have to be, if at all? I mean, I think it's generally the same recipe, which is make it physical and then in the half court rely on counsel and and potentially Davis just getting downhill and making plays. Um, I, I think they have to do – I mean, Kansas has been a good rebounding team, but they're still small. And UConn is not small and is the best offensive rebounding team in the country. So Arkansas's bigs have to do a tremendous job of keeping it to one shot because especially for a team – like UConn that's as good shooting the three as they are, those offensive rebounds are are easy twos or they're easy threes. And either way, that's 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 not a good recipe. But I think if you can limit second chance, if you can keep UConn out of their, you know, semi-transition when they can hunt threes and really take over games like they have in the second half of both tournament games so far, mm-hmm. I think Arkansas has got a chance because Ricky Council is one of the most, you know, one of the best scorers in the country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Levin. Connecticut, you know, it's like Andre Jackson can't guard everybody. I mean, he's a, he's a, so yeah. He, if he's on Ricky Council, you got Nick Smith, you got Anthony Black. You know, there's he can't be everywhere. That, that's where they've been challenged, just with the other perimeter defenders not named Andre Jackson. And so Tristan Newton's got to step up defensively, uh, and Calcaterra or Naima Lane, whoever whoever's in the lineup at the time on the perimeter. Um, and it'll be an interesting matchup because you know. Similar to like Rutgers Purdue, right? Like Rutgers has a bunch of six five, six six dudes that can pressure and use length on the perimeter to disrupt the passes to go into Zach Eady. Well, that's what Arkansas has defensively. They got a bunch of wings, guards with size that can disrupt passes to go into Sonogo and Klingon, uh, which means Jordan Hawkins has to be – he has to play really well and Tristan Newton has to play really well. Um, and then – you know, in transition is where, you know, Connecticut can get you because they are a good rebounding team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blow through these really quick here as we get to the near the end of the show. Uh, UCLA Gonzaga out there yeah. in Vegas. That's a hell of a game, man. I'm excited for that one. But is this one, Kevin, the game where UCLA's, you know, how thin they are in the front court with the injuries? Is, is this where it finally shows up for them? I think it is just because I don't know that they have the – like they're going to have to really keep the score down because I, I don't think they can afford this to be a track meet. If this thing gets to 80, it's going to be really tough. But I tell you what, UCLA is the toughest team I've seen in the country this season. And 
They will be gritty. They they will find a way to be in this game, no matter who's available. Um, you know, they'll have Hawkes, they'll have Campbell. Um, and I think I wouldn't underestimate Mick Cronin finding some kind of creative coverages to throw at throw at Drew Timmy. And he's seen everything, but they just got to do something different, especially if if Adam Bone is going to be a little bit limited. Yeah, to- totally agree. I mean, they they haven't had an opponent get to seven to to seventy five in like three two months, <laughs> and so it's just that's just how Mick's doing it, and and those guys are bought in, and and they'll do an even better job. Again, like you said with Zakai, you lose a guy, everybody's attention and engagement ramps up because they know that they have a missing piece. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see just the pace of play. Yeah. Uh, blowing through these here, five-one matchup. Uh, Laval, can can San Diego State with the way they play, how tough they are, can they slow that Alabama train down? Do they have what it takes to do that? I, I said this other the other night, John. Like that's their physical. This is what Alabama is when they've struggled. Who's it been? It's been against you know Connecticut in their physicality. Gonzaga was up and down as hundred points, ninety. Oklahoma got really physical with them and beat them by a lot. Tennessee, right? Texas A&M. Like te- so San Diego State falls right in line with those teams in terms of the physicality and the defensive mindset uh, to be able to have a chance to pull it off. Kevin, are you, are, you, are you stepping in front of that Bama train with San Diego State? I'm not betting against the tide, but I will say this, right? Like if, if, they're, if San Diego State's going to have a chance – they got to suck the life out of this game. They got to keep it, keep it low paced, put pressure on Alabama with 10 minutes to go that they're in a close game and hope that Matt Bradley, like the shot, Matt Bradley is a tough shot maker. He's going to take some shots in the mid range. They're not going to be the most efficient shots in the world, but Bama's defense gives you those right They're They're going to get in their deep drop. They're going to, you know, like they're, they're going to let Matt Bradley take 18 footers. And if he makes a bunch of them, San Diego State might pull the upset. All right. One minute from each of you. Make me the case that Princeton can pull this off, all right? One minute from each. Kevin, you're on the clock first. Go. Oh, man. I mean, look, they're, they've are they been awesome in this tournament. They've won the rebounding battle in both games against really big, really physical, really athletic teams. They won't be scared of Creighton. Um, they're going to, again, kind of try to suck the life out of the game, keep it keep it a little slower, uh, and, and hope that Langborg and Alaco, their, their shooters, can make more threes like they did in game two than they did in game one when they struggled from deep. They do that. They've got a chance against a really talented Creighton team. Yeah, the three three point shots the great equalizer, right? And and they're a good three point shot. I don't know if they're great, but it's hard to get twos against Creighton with Clark Brander st- standing in the paint. And so control the pace and make make open threes. Uh, you know, now you don't get a lot of them with Creighton because right. they can stick to everybody and make you play two on two in the middle of the court. Uh, I think the off ball action is where they're going to have to go. Right. Not a lot of pick and roll stuff like with the back cuts and the movement, just Princeton style offense and get clean looks that way. You know, we have a little bit of time here. We've got a couple of minutes. I mean, this was a top five preseason team. You know, and I know it's, you know, they they lost Cock Brenner for a lot of the season, but is it really that surprising that like they have a path here to the Elite Eight, potentially the final force? I said on the first show that I did it here. Creighton feels like a team that could make a run. They were a top five team for a reason. Yeah, I mean, no, they, not at all. I, I think the guy we've still we're still waiting on is Arthur Kaluma. Yeah, like Ryan Nimbard is now playing like you know he's wants to make up for for not being in the tournament with him last year. 
And, uh, you know, Cockburn is doing what he does. Trey Alexander's been great. And, Sh and Shireman, Arthur Kaluma's the deciding factor for them to, to push this thing to a Final Four, maybe even, you know, a Monday night game. One minute, Kevin. Any 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 lasting thoughts on Creighton and their run here? I mean, my 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 general feel is that a team that doesn't foul, that doesn't give you second chances, that makes its threes, and that defends the rim is going to be a pretty tough team to beat. And those are the four things that Creighton does really really well. So, like, they're not going to be out talented by pretty much any team, right? Maybe Alabama a little bit, but they won't be overwhelmed. Yeah. And you just you love what Kalkbrenner brings to the table. So I'd love to see Princeton hang and potentially win that game. It'd be cool to see another 15 in the elite eight, but man, I, I also think that a potential Creighton Alabama matchup for, for a spot in Houston would be a lot of fun. Well, don't, don't we got we got, we got, we got a little, unfortunately, this is uh we got the heart out here. This has been the field of 68 after dark here on Sirius XM. Same time tomorrow. We'll see you in the afters. Andrew clerk. Sorry, pals. We had the uh, the hard out there on serious. But yeah, oh, go ahead. Perfect. Yeah, because we got the afters here a little bit. What were you no, going to say? I was just, just going to say, don't forget now, St. Thomas went to Omaha early in the year and about not creating off, you know, with a similar style as a Princeton. <laughs> that is true. I, I really do. Like, I, I love Creighton. I think they win, but it would not shock me in the slightest if Princeton keeps this thing really interesting. And keeps it within a possession or two. Like I, I think I might bat it. Honestly, they play with a confidence. They I mean, do. The way they played against Missouri. The way that it was like they were as confident. Them and and FDU, like man, those dudes. They walked out there like they're supposed to win. Absolutely. And I mean, again, like when you beat Arizona and you beat Missouri, you know. I mean, I know Cre Creighton is the a pressure's on Creighton. No doubt about it. Yeah, it is. And I, I will say, like for. The, if I was going to make a case for Creighton here, it would be the 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 difference defensively. Like Creighton is so much like they're worlds away defensively from those two teams, right? Yeah. So I think that could be the only thing that spooks me a little bit about Princeton. But I think you get here, right? Like you're just you're feeling it. <laughs> you know, you're feeling it in the Sweet 16. You're not going to be intimidated. I also think like, and maybe this is me getting too mental into the whole thing, but like. I think being at a place like Princeton where there is like real perspective about like basketball instead of just being like, oh, my gosh, you're the celebrities of campus. Like, I, I think the risk because I think there's always the risk when the upset team makes it to the second weekend. Like you're going to go back to campus. You're going to be the star. You're going to be blitzed with all this media. Doug Eater from St. Peter's. Right. right. And St. Peter's handled it well. But like, man, they were celebrities. Right. Princeton hasn't really had that. Maybe part of that's because after you, part of that's because just on campus, like it's Princeton, like like kids are in the library. You know what I mean? Like, like, but I, I actually think like, I, I do think that helps them a little bit. Like, I don't think they will be blinded by the lights. They won't be excited that they're about right. their, you know, NIL deals, whatever. Like they're just, they're really good. Uh, Tosan is a great matchup problem because of his ability to pass and, and make plays. He's going to have to be really good. I'm curious what he can get at the rim because obviously, like we talked yeah, about, the talk like I could like the I, I see it going honestly two ways, only two, only two. I see Princeton being really disciplined, not turning the ball over, getting to the free throw line, making timely threes efficiently, and they stay within the game. Maybe they even have a chance to win it at the end, or they just get overwhelmed from the jump, and Creighton just runs off on them, and they get nothing over Cogbrenner, and Creighton plays a clean game, and this looks something like you know, 80 to 64 or something. Like, I don't think there's really any in between. Maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, that's kind of how I see it.
built to play from behind in this game. Exactly. Right? They got exactly. they got down like eight against Arizona, but they avoided getting run out of the gym early. And I think well, that's Arizona's so bad defensively, right? right? Like they're just they're just so bad defensively that you know you're never going to be out of it with them. Honestly, it's true. So, do we have anything in the in the uh, in the chat, Trevor? What's up? Yeah, let's hit a few chat questions here before we get out. Um, Somebody asked, which coach gets their program back to a Sweet 16 first, Cooley at Georgetown or Ricky P at St. John's? Flip a coin. They're both coming. But I don't know. Flip a coin. <laughs> I'll, I think I'll take Rick just because I think he inherits a little bit better of a situation, especially if he can bring over a guy like Walter Clayton in the backcourt. Like if, if you've got Soriano, who's already a load, if you could potentially bring back AJ Store, who's a big time shooter, you get a, like a playmaker like Clayton in there, they could be like top half Big East team year one, and the, your top half Big East team, like we've seen this year, that puts you right in the conversation to be a second weekend at Silver Tournament team. Yeah, I'm gonna go Rick because he's just he's done it more, right? Like he's just done it at multiple places, and I think he's gonna fit right in there, and he brings that that uh, that whole New York shit. You know what I mean? Like I think he's. You know, people will buy into that. So I'll, I'll go Rick. Although I agree, LaValle. Like, you could flip. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they, you know, all about it, it, what happens yeah. in the portal. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, can I can I answer again in a month? After yeah, that, yeah exactly. Really gets, yeah. Yep. It's all about what happens in the portal. Uh, I'm not sure. The guys... thing would be, like, if any of the, like, I don't think any of the, like, the Providence guys, like, Bryce Hopkins can't transfer again without sitting. Yep. <laughs> then, yep. You know, Jared mm. Bynum's in the fifth year, so he's mm. in a little different case. And brutal. And I don't know if they'll go with you know that'll make a whole new different storyline, man. It'll be interesting. Um, but they'll both get it done. Is who who's quicker at? Agreed. I don't know if any of you guys would have a specific name, but several people are asking who should Penn State target to replace Shrewsbury. I think maybe Matt Langle would be a guy I'd think about. I, I think you can't go wrong with a lot of these guys. Like Mike Rhodes has ties to that, that region. He does a tremendous job. I think the only thing I would say with Rhodes is it's such a different style from, right? Like you, you've just built a program and started to find a foundation of like, hey, we're going to spread you out. We're going to shoot it. We're going to be super skilled and smart. And you're going to swing that to, okay, we're going to, you know, make, have rock fights and battle with you defensively and get, you know, gritty gritty kids who want to you know who may not be able to may not be as offensively gifted i think that'd be a really difficult swing and that's why i think someone like langle would make a lot of sense just because obviously it's it's different they don't run the same stuff it's not like you're going from the purdue tree but i think a guy who's who's going to come in and and have a bit of a different approach offensively and and try to get skill and, and try to try to attack the Big Ten a little bit differently. I think that would that would make a lot of sense. And he's got ties to that state for, from being in Philly for many years. I got no, I don't. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, can't the, stand doing that stuff. It's the like, challenge, right, is there's the, a lot is, of good coaches out there. Yeah, and the challenge is, right, that it's, it's so regional, you know, like that matters so much and also like past ties. Because like if you just if you just put names on a piece of paper, right, for, for a, a Big Ten head coaching job, you know, um, uh, Amir Abdurrahim would be in that conversation based off the job he's done at Kennesaw. Dusty May should be involved in any opening, but like he's not going to leave, right? I mean, is he going to leave FAU for for Penn State? Like it just it's not really like a fit there, you know. So the, it, the thing the thing I would say with Penn State, and it's similar to what uh, Laval said about Notre Dame, is that like Penn State's uh, Big Ten school recruiting against 
Midwest teams. Yep. But it's never going to be the first or second choice for any of these kids from Indiana exactly. or Ohio. Exactly. Um, the only place it might be is if you're going into like, like, you, like, like Pat Chambers had a lot of success recruiting Philly and got like Tony Carr and guys like that. But even that's hard because you're then asking them to come play all their games in the Midwest and all these college towns. And also you're competing against Villanova and Temple and all the, you know, all the big East schools who are going to be more regional. So it's like a, it's just a very tricky job. Um, it is, you know, doesn't have a ton of history, um, but there is a little bit, mo- bit of momentum here. And I think hopefully the commitment that people were showing to try to keep Shrewsbury from a mm-hmm. you know, salary and also from an NIL standpoint, Hopefully that carries over to whoever is the next guy at Penn yeah. State. Yeah, I would say somebody with a unique. I mean, it's it's just somebody with a unique style. You can't come in there and try to outdo the Big Ten at yep. what the Big Ten does uh, necessarily, because you know it's just a little harder to get those guys. So yep, I thought Mike had a unique style. You know, like you were at Northwestern, I thought Harmony had a unique style. He just got bit yeah. injuries at the wrong time, but like. You know the Princeton style was just different in in within the league, uh, and so you know whoever brings something similar to that to the table, um, and I don't know who that you know who that would be. I don't know the VCU style. You know, just that, can you get those guys at Penn State? Right, right. That'd be the question. Speaking of Northwestern, Andrew in the chat said, "Hey Kevin, have expectations changed at Northwestern after this year? And what's the temperature check on Chris Collins?" I mean, he'll, he's got some time now um, after the success they had this year. Um, the temperature check. Build a statue. They've never <laughs> been until he got there. What are we talking about? I, I think the, the, the thing I'll say is, like, they get they go to the tournament in 2017, and there's all this momentum. You're building a new arena. They're getting all these recruits, right? That's when they signed, like, Pete Nance and Miller Cop, top 150 guys. And over the next five years, I think, lost a lot of that buzz and the hype about Northwestern. Um, and this year gave them an opportunity to get it back because they got to the tournament. They brought, you know, the, the fan support was incredible. They stormed the court. They beat Purdue. You know, they win a game in the dance, right? Like they're going to have a similar opportunity to make a little bit of a splash in recruiting to build the fan base up and, and do those things. And I just think it's it's imperative that this time it not it not be wasted, right? And and obviously that's not what Chris intended. And, and he, he I think he's done a good job of, like communicating like, yeah, like we, we disappointed the year we brought everybody back. And once that happened, we had to rebuild and it just took time because that's the place Northwestern is. It takes time to rebuild it. Um, but I think, I think Northwestern, I, I think you obviously you give them, you give them some time to rebuild it potentially depending, like they have, they have some questions roster wise because Bowie could come back if he wants to, he has a COVID year. Audish could come back if he wants to, he has a COVID year and Robbie Barron does too. So, Give us a month to see where the roster is, but uh, there's no uh, there's no hot seat at this point for, for for Collins for quite some time after the year they had this year. Kevin, let me ask you this: How many times have Northwestern been to the tournament? Uh, two times. Who was wow. the coach? Chris Collins. What are we talking about? <laughs> what was we're the answering, expectation, what was the the expectation before he got there? Jeez. Right, but, but I will say this: I, I, Northwestern is a different job right now. Right. Northwestern in 
in 2010 was wearing Russell athletic gear and playing in a gymnasium and like had no hype and was boring. Right. Nor- now Northwestern, like it's, it's under armor, but like if they have a real apparel deal, they're winning in football. They were winning in football until the last two years, but that's its own problem. Um, they have an NIL. So Stanford, Northwestern, like these school, it's a unique place. Are, are they in? Because you know, what happens is the, the people, the alumni bases, the uh, the status of the, the the prestige of the institution and degree, like NIL isn't really something they're uh, you know excited about, and now that is a real factor. So I would right. say, you know that that'll that'll be a game changer if it's like you know there's some alums from Northwestern that have it now, but I mean Northwestern that's where they want to do with their money. They've spent over a, a billion dollars on athletic facilities in the last decade yeah that's different than giving money to players (laughs) oh i know if they if they peel off like 10 million of it they'd be the best team in the big 10 well maybe not but you get the point you know yeah and nobody would have like harvard northwestern and stanford (laughs) shoot pull together like six people and you could take take care of a couple teams in terms of a collective and how you however you want to set it up but i don't know you know they have to be interested in in it yes yes no doubt all right, last one for me. There's a Spartans fan in the chat who says he has a galaxy brain question and to stick with him. So here it comes. Oh, dear. Tom Izzo said he wanted one more deep run in him. If he gets to the Final Four or further, do you think it's possible he pulls a Jay Wright this offseason and just retires? Who's this, Izzo? Yeah. Yeah. No. No, I was with Iz in the fall. He's after another national championship before he shuts it down. If so he if wins, he wins it, the title if, this year, if, if he wins it, maybe then they're not winning it. They're not. I mean, but like, like that's what he's after. And they yeah. got an unbelievable class coming in next right, year. Yeah. Uh, but when I was with him in the fall, yeah, I just he was he was complaining about NIL and all the stuff. And Mel Tucker had to deal with in the football <laughs> team. And Iz is great. I love him to death. And I said, "What are you What are you doing, Coach? Like everybody else is." Hopping out, he's like, you know, as soon as I'm not having fun, but I'm, I'm still having, a, you know, I'm still having fun doing it. And I want to, you know, he wants to get another, he wants to get another banner. I'll, I'll never rule anything out in this day and age, right? There are a lot of guys moving on, but I do think his is wired a little bit differently. And uh, again, maybe, maybe if there's a chance to ride off into the, you know, into the sunshine, you know, win a championship, that that'd be its own thing, but. Like you said, I mean that class is amazing. Like, like Fears is dope. I love Cohen Carr. Booker's super, super talented. Gary Norman, can, like, like that is the type of class that can get Michigan State to like the top of the Big Ten for multiple years running. So, um, yeah, I, I think that has to weigh on his mind as well. Like they're they're not done winning even if they go to a Final Four here this year. Yeah, I guess we got to do toast of the night, huh, Trev? Yep. Well, I'll I'll start it off. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a toast to a a a quality, esteemed, one of the best in the business college basketball journalists uh, who I thought did a, did a great job today. Planning right, even if it was via anonymous assistant coaches and head coaches, uh, the reasoning behind Ed Cooley leaving Providence for Georgetown. So, fellas, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a toast to. Jeff Goodbloom, <laughs> who is a uh, fan, again a fantastic journalist, right? 
No comment. He's one of the best. <laughs> Great follow. Good bloom hoops. That should be it. That should be the only one. <laughs> That's it. No comment. Good bloom hoops on Twitter. This has been the field of <laughs> 68 after dark. Same time tomorrow. Hey, go enjoy Vegas, man. I do want to tell us. Can I get out give a shout out to my man Ron Sanchez at Charlotte? Yes, great. Great time. Yeah, there's only so many. There's only a couple teams that are going to finish on a win. The That's first right. postseason uh tournament championship in the history of Charlotte basketball. And uh, I did a tremendous job. 20 plus wins. They've gotten better every year. Hell yeah. He's crushing it out there. So shout out to my man, Ron Sanchez. Cheers to that. Love it. All right. Go enjoy Vegas. Lavelle, it's been a pleasure, man. Enjoyed it. And uh, same time tomorrow, we'll be doing it after the Sweet 16. Like, subscribe on YouTube. Listen to us on SiriusXM College Sports Radio Channel 84. For Lavelle, for Kevin, I'm John. Have a good night. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.